All right, guys, we'll uh, start getting going while I got some nerve here. <laughs> All right, I'm John. I've met most of you, uh, but good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. So Gibson asked me to preach today, and he specifically said, I want you to preach on Proverbs 1.7, which is the fear of the Lord. Which, as I prepared for the message, and I started looking at what the fear of the Lord is, I started to really fear the Lord. Uh, the, the just preparation of the message alone was challenging for me. So, with all humility, I come before you guys now with, with a, a pretty challenging message. And I want, I want to make sure that you guys all know that it's just as much for me as it is for all of you. Uh, when you talk about the fear of the Lord, it's hard not to be challenged. So, I'll read the verse. It's Proverbs 1.7. You can turn there. It's a really quick verse. Uh, I'm going I'm to read it for you guys. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now before I pray, I want to talk about the second part of the verse really quickly. I'm not going to focus on that a lot. I think that the fool is described in Proverbs as just that. I mean, he's a fool. Uh, and, and he doesn't just dislike wisdom and instruction. He doesn't just not listen to wisdom and instruction. He despises it. And so I think when you approach the, the Proverbs, you want to come to the Proverbs as a child. You know, you're, you're innocent, you're ready to listen, you're ready to hear the Word of God, and you're not approaching it with this, this how, howdy, you know, I, I'm prideful, I don't need to hear this stuff. So, I mean, I think the second part of this verse speaks to that. Uh, and I'm not going to go too much into that. I want to focus today on the fear of God, and I want to focus on how the fear of God applies to our lives. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, Lord, you are a consuming fire. And God, I pray that you would just melt our desires away, Lord. I pray that you would grant everyone in this room wisdom this morning. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would put us at your disposal, God. We are your church. And Lord, we're here to serve you, God. So please, Lord, in Jesus' name, just be with us today as we reach into your word and pull out its meaning. Amen. All right, so what does fearing God look like? All right, and that's, that's the first part I want to focus on is, is, is what is that? You know, uh, I think if you go to a lot of churches today, unfortunately, the fear of God is talked about as uh, a reverence or, uh, you know, well, you don't really have to fear God. It's, you don't really have to fear him. It's, a, you know, just respect him. Just, just have reverence for God. But when I read even the New Testament, I mean, the Old Testament, of course, we see hellfire and brimstone and we see a fearful God. But I think even when you go into the New Testament, you see the same thing. So I want to start out with a, with a quick exercise. All right, I want to put you guys, this is an imagination exercise. So I'm going to create something for you guys, and I want you to kind of like play along with me. All right, I want you guys to imagine that you are, you're laying in bed, sun's come up, you're about to start your day. All of a sudden, you hear the whirring of police sirens, okay? And you hear crashing noises outside. And you, you know, you jump to your window, whether your bedroom window or your living room window, whatever it is, and you look out to your street, whether it's Main Street or your neighborhood, and you see in the distance a 35-foot being, a massive giant just tromping down the street, okay? Uh, the police cars are heading right to it, and it points at one of the police cars and turns it into a chicken. And it, it waves its hand, and half the houses on the left side of the street just are leveled. This massive being, and you're looking at it. And all of a sudden, it turns and looks right into your eyes, okay? So I'm trying to impart terror of this massive supernatural being with powers that are beyond your comprehension. 
Now, this, this being hasn't revealed itself. So you don't know what it wants. You don't know what it's doing. You're scared of it. And I, I bring up that to impart to you that our God is a big God with massive amounts of supernatural power. I mean, he spoke the heaven and earth into existence. He spoke. And we have seasons, earth, water, DNA. I mean, you're sitting here breathing because God allows you to breathe. That's, that's a huge miracle. I mean, you look at what Jesus did. Jesus after he was resurrected, walked through a wall. How did he do that? Uh, he turned water into wine. He stood outside of a cave after a man had been dead for three days and just said, all right, come on out, Lazarus. You're, you're, you're alive now. That's the kind of power that our God has. And, and to, to me, that's something to fear. Uh, how, how did God reveal himself? I mean, the... The creation, it tells you something about God. You know, he made us. It kind of denotes love. But, I mean, I can make a plate of tacos uh, and say that I love them, but it doesn't necessarily mean I don't love the tacos. I mean, so how did God reveal himself to us? How how do we know that this all-powerful being, this miraculous person, how do we know he loves us? Well, it's the cross. It's the cross. That's where you see this person who is really beyond our comprehension. I mean, we know what his character is from the Word of God, and we can see what he's like. But he revealed himself to us when he took our bullet. And that's how we know he loves us. Now, the imaginary creature, that's just something to be scared of. God is something to fear, but the fear is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, so first we come to God in fear. It gives us knowledge. So... You know, I want to go further into what the fear of God looks like before we start applying it to our lives. And I'm going to go to a story in, in Acts chapter 5. A lot of you guys have heard this story. And again, the New Testament talks about fearing God. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's a story in Acts chapter 5 about Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, most of us have heard, have heard this story. You know, Ananias and Sapphira were a married couple who they, they wanted to jump on board with the movement, the new church, the first century church. It was, you know, Jesus has died and been resurrected. Uh, he's left them with Holy Spirit fire and they're ready to, to move forward. And they want to jump on board. But they didn't want to fully commit. So they sold a piece of property and they thought they would play a, a game with God and they held some back. But they told the apostles, well, yeah, this is everything. We've given you everything. But they held some back. And how did God reward their hypocrisy? He killed them. And this is the God of the New Testament. So, I mean... Here we see a God that is to be feared. Uh, so, and I mean, you could preach a whole message on that alone, but we'll, we'll move on to uh, John the Beloved. Revelation 1.17. Jesus shows himself to John. Now, John was the, the apostle that Jesus loved. I mean, they had a closeness that, you know, is described in the Bible as a, a whole different type of love. And when John saw Jesus, hair white as wool, his flesh shining like the sunlight of his strength. When John saw Jesus, he fell down to the ground as if he was dead. So again, New Testament, we see reasons to fear God. Uh, The last thing I want to go in, and and if you want, you can turn to Matthew 17, uh, verse 1. This is the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And Jesus takes three apostles up onto a high mountain 
and he wants, you know, he reveals himself to them. And I'm going to read it uh, to you guys. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Peter, I mean, come on, this is, I mean, kind of pretentious, but, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. You think, Peter? If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now this is key. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. I think this is such a good example of how the fear of God looks. You're, you're going along through your life. You, you're at a job. You have your family. You, you know, you're, you're doing everything you feel like you should do. All of a sudden, God speaks to you. you know, God spoke as Peter was speaking. You know, and Peter had all these good ideas. He had a Peter plan, and he was, oh, we'll make some tents. It'll be great. And all of a sudden, God, you know, his voice alone silenced him, put him right down on the ground in terror. And isn't it like that with our lives? You think you're in such a good spot. You think you have everything figured out. And then all of a sudden, God comes and says, oh, I want you to go to Brazil and be a missionary. And this kind of radical... Uh, thought from the Holy Spirit of God enters into your life, and it's like, whoa, I'm, that's crazy, Lord. I can't, I can hardly, you know, and it might not be a missionary to Brazil. It might just be there's a guy at work that you're supposed to talk to, or someone at school that you're supposed to talk to, and you've been terrified to talk to them, but the Holy Spirit keeps telling you in that still small voice, reach out to this person. You know, God doesn't need you to do anything, but He wants you to do things, and we're all called to evangelize. So, I mean, there you have it. You, you know, you have your plan, and then God inserts his voice into your life. And sometimes you fall down on the ground and tear. And we'll revisit this first. But, uh, I, you know, so I, I, I think that the, the verses that I, I've brought up and the verse itself, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, we kind of get a sense for what it means to fear God. It's, it's you know, again, it, God is big. He's powerful. A lot of times, I think, in our lives, we kind of push God down and push Him in the background. I mean, some people even make God like their drinking buddy. You know, He's just my pal. He's my friend. You know, but, but that's not who God is. I mean, we see a God who is powerful in the Bible, who is big, who we have really no choice but to serve Him. And to fear Him, which leads to obedience, that's what we're called to do. So, you know, again, it's, it's a challenge message, but I want to encourage us all to, to look at God in this light, to look at God as a big God who is worthy of our, of our, serve, of our service. Um, so, I, you know, I, I've done a character study for the last 21 years uh, of a person who didn't fully understand what fearing God meant. Uh, and this person went from one failure to another failure uh, doing things. Uh, and of course, the person's me. Perfect, perfect character study. I've, I've lived it. So, you know, I want to tell you a little bit about my walk with God and how I learned about this fear. 
when I started out as a Christian, I was fortunately discipled uh, by a really good guy. He brought me through the, the basics of Christianity. He, he taught me the things that you know were, were most important. And then he kind of sent me out into the world. And I bounced around from church to church, always trying to do things. I'd go to a new church and say, well, you know, I'll be an usher. Right? That's what I'm supposed to do. I'll do this. I'll, you know, I'll run Sunday school. I'll, I'll do this. And I was always doing things. But I was never being something. And I have, to, I have to pause here for a second and remind you guys that our salvation in Christ comes through the grace of God. It, it's nothing that you do. It, it's, it, it's, it's His grace that has saved us. So, you know, you fear God, you, you obey Him, uh, and all those things are important for a healthy relationship with God, but ultimately, you, you give your heart to Christ, you confess He's Lord, and you're saved. So I don't want you to come away from a lesson like this thinking, i got to do more, i got to do more, because that's, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to say. I went from church to church doing things. I'll do this, I'll do that. But I was never being something. And, you know, a really important verse, and, and, and if, if you're young or, or maybe you're here and, and, and you, you struggle with these things like I have, I'm going to give you a shortcut, okay? And it took me 20 years to figure this out. Maybe you can leave this church service with some new knowledge. Uh, you know, in 1 Thessalonians 4, okay, well, what is God's will? What is God's will for us? You know, I mean, I, I always struggled with that. So because I wasn't sure what God's will in my life was, I would do things. Well, you read in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, what is God's will? Your sanctification. That's God's will. God's will isn't that you do this and do that and act this way and be this, you know. Well, it is to be a certain way, but His, his will is your sanctification. And sanctification simply means holiness. And holiness, if you break it down further, means to be set apart. God is asking us to be set apart. And you don't get to that point unless you realize that you serve a big God, that you fear Him. Because once you fear God and you start to obey Him, then you start looking at the aspects of your life that you need to change. Maybe there's something that you're holding on to, a sin or, or, or an activity or something that, that pulls away. I mean, you have an anointed purpose in this life that God has given you. And, you know... I, I've given up that anointed purpose on things as stupid as video games. People give up their anointed purpose on things like stamp collecting or watching too much sports. You know, and God has a plan for you, and He wants He wants you to do something. He doesn't need you to do it, but but for your own good, He wants you to be sanctified. That's God's will. So it's not a matter of doing. It's not a matter of going to a church and figuring out where do I fit, what do I have to do. It's a matter of going to a church as a person who's in the process of being sanctified. And through that sanctification, once God realizes that, yeah, okay, I can work with this person. This person's weak. This person's broken. Perfect. Now, I can fill them with my strength. That lesson was imparted to me. I was listening to a Leonard Ravenhill sermon. If you have never checked out Leonard Ravenhill, I encourage you to go on YouTube, watch every sermon he has. The guy's great. Uh, in one of his sermons, he talked about a guy named Hudson Taylor. And if you don't know Hudson Taylor, he was a gentleman who was a missionary. And when everyone went to be missionaries in China, and they went to spread the gospel to China, they all went to the coast of China, because the coast of China was a little more industrious, a little more modern, uh, you know, a little easier. Well, Hudson Taylor went inland China. And at the point in time when he went to inland China, 
you had, you know, they hadn't really seen a white man before. They didn't really understand. They weren't comfortable with outsiders. But he went there. And it took him a long time, but eventually he put together a really strong uh, message and outreach that got people in central China safe. And when they asked him, Hudson, you know, everyone did this. Why did you do that? Or how did you pull that off? His answer, and this blew my mind when I heard this, his answer was, God finally found someone weak enough. You see, it's, it's not our strength. It isn't. It's, it's that we get weak. And in our weakness, God does what? Philippians 4.13. It's God's strength through us. We can do all things through His strength. Now, if you don't fear God, if you make God this small, little person, and you put Him in the back corner of your life, well, you're going to start relying on your own strength. And that's where the fear of God comes into it. This is how it starts to apply to our lives. Okay? Because by fearing God, you start to realize that, wow, I really need His help. I really do. And, you know, you fear God, you start to obey God, and then you, you go through this process of sanctification. And in that process, God gives you things to do. You don't do things anymore. All of a sudden, you find yourself preaching at church for the first time. You know, and, and things start happening. And, and you, just, you just start to, you can kind of just roll with it. Okay, God, what's next? I, Lord, I'm at your disposal. I want to be a tool for you, Lord. I am your willing bondservant. That's what the fear of God does in your life. It leads you to obedience. It leads you to sanctification, which is holiness, which is just being set apart for God's work. So, you know, what does fear look like? Well, I think we covered that. I think we covered what fear looks like when we looked at some of the verses uh, about men who, who walked with Jesus, seeing him for the first time and falling down on the ground. Men hearing the, the voice of God, the Almighty, and falling down terrified. Annas and Sapphira uh, trying to play games. And we play games. We play games with God. I mean, we really do. I do it all the time. You know, I think I can get away with something. I try to sneak something. But he knows. He sees. You know, God is a God who knows us. And you can't play games with them. Your games are rewarded with disaster most times. You insert your plan into life. You think you have it covered. You think you have it figured out. And then what happens? We fall on our face. So again, you know, it, that, that's why it's important to fear God, and I think that's the application of God. And so, you know, I want to go back. I want to go back and revisit the transfiguration. Because an interesting thing happens. After these men fall on the ground, terrified from the sound of God, <clears throat> Jesus comes and he touches them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. You're, the, the fear makes you fearless. Okay, You, you want to get to this point where you see Jesus only. You want to get to this point where the knowledge of God, and, and, and what's the knowledge of God? John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Guys, that's the knowledge. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Well, what's the knowledge? The knowledge is that you know God and you know the one he sent. Okay? And the process of sanctification is what carries you right along into that. So what's God's will? That you be holy. What's the knowledge? That you know God and you know the one that he sent. 
So, I mean, again, this is the point where we, we come to this, this realization. Oh, I want to know Jesus. And maybe some of you guys are sitting in the audience and you don't know Jesus. You know, maybe some of you guys are sitting in the audience and, and, and you know, you've thought about it. You, you, you've molded over. Maybe you're worried about what your friends or family think. You know, maybe you don't want to repent of your sins. Maybe you're holding on to them. But this process of knowing Jesus, you know, first you fear God, then you come to this knowledge. And you know God, and you know the one He sent. And when you know the one He sent, you realize that, wow, God did go to the cross for me. How bad is sin? How bad is it? I mean, think about it. If you were uh, perusing through Facebook and you came across an article, and in that article it said uh, that so-and-so after his crime was sentenced to 12 life sentences. All right, you would take pause and say, wow, uh, that guy did something pretty bad. Twelve life sentences. Man, he must have did something really bad. Well, guys, the punishment for sin is hell. That's how bad sin is. God made a place that for eternity you're separated from him. And, I mean, that's not a fear tactic. I don't want to scare anybody. But if, if you don't know Jesus, take pause and think about that. If you don't want to know God... He's not going to make you know him. He's not going to make you worship him for all eternity. That would be unfair. If you don't want to know God, he's created a place for that. He's, and it's the same place where sin goes. And that's how bad sin is. That's how bad sin is in your life. You know, the Bible says sin leads to death. And it doesn't just lead to the physical death. Uh, it doesn't just lead to the death of your soul. I mean, the Bible is pretty clear. Don't fear those who kill the body. This is Matthew 10, 28. Don't fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Don't fear men. All they can do is kill your body. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Again, fear of God. There's a lot of things that we can talk about with God. We can talk about praising God. We can talk about worshiping God. We can talk about praying God. Today, we're talking about fearing God. And that's what the fear of God looks like. We fear him because not only does he have the power to kill us, I mean, in all reality, we should have been dead yesterday, guys. And we are in open rebellion to God. And it's only by His grace that we walk every day, that we take another breath. And He's merciful, and He's given us time. So if you're sitting here now, and, 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 you, and you don't know Jesus, you haven't confessed Him as Lord, then what are you waiting for? Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I think in reflection, we look back at what does fear of God look like? And I think, I think we got a firm grasp on that. At least I hope so. Uh, and what, how does that fear apply to our lives? And again, I'll just stress this one last time. Don't walk around as a Christian looking to do things. Don't try to find your place in a church and do it on your own. Don't succumb to John plans or your own plans. Fear God. Obey Him. Become holy. That's His will for you. And know Him. Know God know the One that He sent, Jesus Christ. If you do those things, you'll be saved. Your life comes together. You find yourself in places that you never in a million years thought you could go. You never thought in a million years you'd be leading a prayer group at your church. But now God's put you in a position to do that. You never thought you'd have the strength to witness to that guy that grumpy guy at work. But now all of a sudden, at lunch, you find yourself breaching the subject. 
And the Holy Spirit is there with you as it happens. So I just want to encourage you to fear God. To fear God every day. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. Praise Him. Worship Him. Lift up His name in your heart. But remember that He is to be feared. With reverence. With respect. But also with the knowledge of the things that He's capable of. Alright, let's, let's pray. We'll wrap it up there. Let's pray. Oh, Father God. You are to be feared. And Lord, through the fear we have for You, we find a fearlessness. Through knowing You, God, and knowing Your plan for our lives through the process of sanctification, we find ourselves loving You. We need to get to that knowledge, Lord. And this verse tells us that fear of You is the beginning of that knowledge. So God, I pray that everyone in this room as we go forward in life, and as we move forward, that, Lord, we would fear You. Not just with the holy reverence, but with the knowledge of who You are and why You're worthy to be served. Because, Jesus, You are worthy to be served. Thank You so much for Your church, God. Thank You for the love that You've given us. Thank You for the life that died on the cross for our sin. We praise You, and we lift up Your name, It is the only name that saves. Amen.